Five with us this morning, if you will, Second Corinthians chapter number five, and uh, we've been uh, helps to get my notes out, doesn't it? Well, I could do it without. Yesterday we spent uh, time up on the mountaintop and, and doing a little hiking, and one of the guys made a comment. I said, "Hey, I got to be back by nine thirty for church," and they're like, "Well, you're you know you you know enough. You can you can wing it. So we're going to wing it this morning." And I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But uh, anyway, we've been looking at the five core uh, belief statement. There's a little card on the back above the offering box that, set, that talks about Southwest Bible Fellowship and what we're about. And uh, we're, we're about a gospel that you can believe, and that's Paul's my gospel. And we're about a Bible you can trust, and that's a King James Bible. And then we're about a study that you can understand, and that's the issue of dispensational Bible study. 2 Timothy 2.15, rightly dividing the word of truth. And then we talked last time about a life that you can live, and that's living life in who you are in Christ, in that identity, and living that manner and that life where you're able to, to have success. And in, in a day and age when people are looking for a life to live and looking for answers and looking, and yet God's word says, there you go, you've got it, you, you can do it. And this morning we're going to round off that fifth one about a purpose that you can fulfill because when you talk to people and you yourself we all like to have purpose we all want to have a we want to have some we we look for purpose in things we look we need purpose we need a reason to to go forward and to move and to do and and so forth and in second corinthians 5 this is kind of where we're going to launch off here this passage is critical in understanding the purpose for the church, the body of Christ. Your purpose, why God made, put you in Christ, in the body, the purpose for which you are made a member of the body of Christ is right here in this passage. And, and it's critically to understand that when we talk about purpose, you know, when your husband and wife, there's purpose in the, in the marriage. Then you have children, and now you got purpose in the family, and you've got this, you're, you got purpose at work. And by the way, why do you work? Because the Word of God says if you want to eat, you better work. That's it, money. Success. Not success so much, but, but get there and move and work and do. And when that happens and when you're that way, see, then you've you got purpose, you've got energy, you've got everything that you need. God's, comes in, God's Word comes in and says, hey, i got a purpose for you. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 Verse 17, therefore, there, oh, you got one, okay, because you can have mine if you want. Mine's special. <laughs> it's white paper with black ink, okay. I'm just kidding. Second Corinthians 5, 17, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Now, that's a great identity verse. But think about the old. The old things are passed away. The old program, verse 16. Wherefore, henceforth, know we no more, no man after the flesh. Yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. How? After the flesh. That old fleshly program, that old, pro, that old the old is out. We're in the new now. We're into something new. Identity, new, new thinking, new processes, new understanding. Therefore, verse 18, and all things are of God. And boy, you got to remember that. 
as you think about this purpose that we can fulfill and accomplish. Who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation? What has he given to you and I? The ministry of reconciliation. The ministry, there's our purpose. It's, our, it's a ministry, not of fixing the world, not of arguing and debating and winning. Don't, heavens forbid if you lose. It's, the purpose here is a ministry of reconciliation. Verse 19, to wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. There it is again. <laughs> This ministry, this word of reconciliation. By the way, verse 19 is God's attitude toward the world today. Grace and peace, Paul starts every epistle that way. And you know what his attitude is? Is I'm not imputing their trespasses to them. You know why? If he did, you know what he'd have to do to the world? Wipe it out. Boom. So he says, I'm going to hold off on the wrath part, and I'm going to have a grace and peace attitude rather than a wrath and war and judgment attitude on you. He, by the way, imp not imputing their trespasses doesn't mean he's not holding them accountable for being sinners. If you die as a sinner, guess where you're going to wake up? In hell. He says, I'm just not judging. What am I doing? I'm giving a body. I've given a group of people who trust me, who love me, who, who are going to come in, who are now, verse 20, going to be my ambassadors. Who now, who our job is going to go, is going to be to go out and to preach the message that God has given us. That's our purpose. And when I say preach, I'm not talking about preach on a platform. I'm talking about in our ambassadorship, making a proclamation here of some information about here's God's attitude. Do you know that the world thinks God hates them? Well, if he, if he loved us, he wouldn't let that hurricane blow through here. Well, you know why the hurricane blow through, blew through? Don't, don't say climate cooling or climate heating or all that nonsense. You know why that? Because it's been doing that forever. And it's a way that the, the oceans and the world and all that works. You know, I, I don't know if you guys remember Katrina when Katrina hit. They didn't hit, did not hit New Orleans. It hit Mississippi. It actually hit my uncle's home. The eye went right over his his place. But yet, Katrina or New Orleans had all that because the, the levee broke, and the, and the goofballs in the religion out there. Oh, God was judging New Orleans because two weeks ago they had a convention for the wrong kind of people. And I'm like, well, then God's a little late if it was two weeks ago. If God was on time, he'd have nailed, and I think God can be on time. <laughs> so, you see, so you, you look at it and you go, wait a second, this isn't making sense here. Why? Because that's not, his, that's not his focus. That's not his attitude. His attitude is what? Grace and peace. His attitude is I'm not going to wipe the world away just yet. Verse 20, he says, now then we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you, notice, by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. You see, we're his ambassadors. We are his official representatives in the world today. By us, we're to go out and to, and to bring the world, bring them, the people in our sphere of operation, to him. 
We're to take the truth of, of, of the word of reconciliation and we're to come in and we're to teach that to people. We're to understand it. It was taught to you if you're a believer here today. And you come to it and you begin to, our job is to see people get saved and then to teach them about his grace, establish them, grow them up a little bit so then they can go out and repeat the process. That's our job. That's our purpose. And you know what? You can fulfill that. Well, I don't know, Rick. I'm not a big public speaker. You don't have to be. You talk to the mailman if you, every now and then, don't you? You talk to the, I know who you talk to is the Amazon driver. I know that. Amazon driver drops off it, and you're, hey, thank you, and waving at them. It's Christmas time. You're going to say, hey, you and give them a little bonus or whatever. Hey, how about talking to them about where they're going to spend eternity? It's right there. It's a perfect, you know, it's a perfect idea, perfect opportunity. Our job on our, on our overhead, we have a little slide in the welcome slides, and it says our job is not to convert. Our job is to preach the gospel, give them the message. The converting part it belongs to the word and the word working and the word doing its job. Because if you press for a conviction, you make it about you then, and this isn't about you. You're his ambassador. Our job is to see people get saved and then come to the knowledge of the truth. And we have a purpose that way, and we can fulfill it. We can accomplish it. Colossians chapter 1, you don't have to turn over there, verse 27. He says, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you the hope of glory. Man, it's his life living through you as you walk by faith in an intelligent understanding of God's word to you. Who is he? When he talks to you, where do you go? Now, there's the truth. There's right division. There's the study you can understand. There's the Bible you can believe and trust. And as you come in and as you begin to think about this issue of being an ambassador, come over to 1 Timothy chapter 2. You see, folks, it's his life living through you. As you walk by faith, as you begin to understand who you are, and when we begin to think about our purpose, our ambassadorship, what do we begin to think about? Now, again, ambassador, uh, a um, representative of a foreign government. Do you know that this world's not your home? You're just a passing through, as the song would say. You don't belong here. You're an alien. But you're an ambassador. By the way, if you think about ambassador and the ambassador corps of nations, they tell their ambassadors that when they go into their country, they are to assimilate into that country because they're going to be under the rules and the laws of that country, even though they represent the president and the United States. So don't just go out there and think you can goof around and do whatever you want. No, you represent the United States. Now, over the years, that's changed a little bit, I'm sure. But my point is, is we're his ambassadorship. So what are we going to do? We're going to speak for him. We're going to speak on his behalf. And before you think that this is an odd thing, it's not because the Lord tells the 12 apostles that I'm going to be leaving you. I'm going to go away. And while I'm gone, you're going to be my witnesses. You're going to be my testimony here. And you're going to have to know how to act and behave while I'm gone. And you know what he does? He gives them their, their uh, 
their commission, if you will. He tells them what they're going to be doing. And the early Acts period, Acts 1 to 8, you see them doing it. You see Peter go in and do stuff in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Why? Because that's what he's supposed to do. That's how he's supposed to do it. You and I are called ambassadors. I told you 1 Timothy 2, right? 1 Timothy 2. I was in Ephesians 6, which is a good passage, but we'll get there in just a minute. Well, actually, well, anyway, 1 Timothy 2. Look at verse 3. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. Isn't that what we want to do? What's good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior? Sure we do. Verse 4. Who will? Here's the will of God. Here is the good and acceptable will of God. Who will have you to win the Powerball? Who will have you have straight Good living, easy, no. Who will have all men be what? Be saved. That's why you have to have a gospel that you can believe. A simple gospel. A gospel that's not riddled with do's and don'ts, but just rather belief. When Paul says, he's of the power to establish you according to my gospel. Paul's gospel, Christ died for my sins, was buried, and rose again the third day. And, don't miss the and, and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. And there's the study that you can understand. Dispensational Bible study. And what God desires, what God's will is, what God says the the purpose of the ambassador is, It's to go out and to see all men get saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. That's our purpose. That's our job. That's our our commission, if you will. I know what people say, Matthew 10, or Matthew 28, Mark 16, Luke 24, John 21, Acts 1. There's our commission. Do you know that all those commissions don't belong to you? He wasn't talking to you. None of those things are going to have, none of those have happened yet, by the way except for the Luke 24 and Acts 1. Matthew 28, when they go out into all the nations and they preach the word to every creature and they're baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, that's the first time you ever see that formula, by the way, in the Lord's earthly ministry. That has nothing to do with what they're doing in the moment. It has everything to do with what they're doing out in the, in the millennial kingdom. Do you know how Mark 16, by the way, we're in Mark 16 on Wednesday nights, <laughs> How Mark 16, and they're going to handle this, and they're going to drink that, and they're going to do that. You know all that's tribulation, 70th week of Daniel stuff? You know the commissioning of the apostles in Matthew chapter number 10 was the whole commission? It starts in the moment that the Lord does, and goes all the way out to a second coming. You see, you're not in any of that. Actually, he's telling them, don't even go talk to you. He says, you stay away from them guys. What's our commission then? What's our, amba- what's our purpose? It's right here. What are we? We're his ambassadors, and we are to see all men saved. So you think about that. Come over to Acts 14. On your way, stop in Ephesians 6. Ephesians 6. Look at Ephesians 6. So, and we're going to Acts 14, but look at Ephesians 6, just 2 Corinthians 5.20. We're his ambassadors. We have a word of reconciliation, a ministry of reconciliation. 
That's what we're to do, proclaim the message. But look at Ephesians 6, verse 20. For which I am an ambassador, where? In bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Do you know there's a consequence to being his ambassador? It's not all going to be easy days and tiptoe through the tulips and all that good stuff. There's going to be times when you're going to have to take it in the neck. You're going to have to be in bonds. Now, Paul's in prison here, okay? But hopefully one day we don't have to, we don't have to go to prison. But if we do, you know what? You better because your apostle did it, and he, and he survived. Why? Because death isn't the enemy. Life isn't the enemy. Death, could you imagine? I'm not looking for dying, but I'm not scared of it either. Why? Because to be dead, to be absent from the body, is to be present with the Lord. That's a great thing. What hope? Isaiah, or Acts 14. I just show that, by the way, Paul says he's an ambassador. He's also the apostle, but he's also an ambassador. What are we doing? We're speaking for. We're speaking on behalf of. We're proclaiming a message of grace, of grace and peace. And the first component of that is, and the first part of, of our ministry of reconciliation is this issue of having all men be saved. Acts 14, verse 21. Notice the model and the mode of, of how Paul does ministry. Acts 14, 21. When they had preached the gospel to that city and had taught many, they returned again to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch confirming the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith that we must through much tribulation enter into the kingdom of God. And when they had ordained them elders in every church and prayed unto fa with fasting, they commanded them to the Lord, um, commanded, commended them to the Lord on whom they believed. What did he do? He goes in to the city and what's the first thing he does? Set up a church building. No. He saw some people get saved. Then he took those saved folks and he edified them, built them up. And then that group goes over and establishes a local assembly with elders and the leadership. What's the first step, though? Preaching the gospel. Paul's my gospel, Romans 1 and verse 16. Romans 1 and verse 16. You see, Paul's apostleship, Paul's ministry, mode of ministry was let's see some people get saved, and then let's see some people come to the knowledge of the truth. Do you know what that means? you got to have some understanding and knowledge in both realms. Okay? If you witness to someone and you see them get saved, you still know more than they know. But they know more than the lost people do. So if you're scared of witnessing to somebody, just think about this. You know more than the lost do. Why? Because they're lost. So don't be worried about if a question pops up. It's okay that... Probably had a, you had a similar question. Where are we going to get the answer from? Call Rick. <laughs> Email Rick. Well, that's okay. You can, but you're going to come to the Word of God. Look at Romans 1.16. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. The gospel is what? The power of God. You want to see the power of God? He's not going to, Philippians says, it's him that does his will in you, not on you. 
The outward man perished. The inward man is renewed day by day. He's working where? In you. So when you see the power of God, it's not going to be out there in the circumstances. It's going to be where? Inside of you. Why? Because he works through the Cal he works through Calvary. He comes in and he says, hey, listen, the power of God on display is Calvary. It's, at the, it's the cross. And what did he do? He did it all for you. And you know what is offensive about Calvary? Is he did it all for you and there's nothing you can do. That's offensive to man, humanity. I have to watch my pronouns and all that stuff from now on, you know. Not really. I try not to. Look at chapter 3 of Romans. The great case is made in Romans 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5 of the gospel. Romans 3, verse number 9. What then? Are we better than they? We, the Jews, better than they, the Gentiles? No, in no wise, for we have before proved both Jews and Gentiles that they are all under sin. That's what chapter 2 does. It confirms that. It sets the case, chapter 1 and chapter 2. What? Everybody's a sinner. The whole world is guilty. Verse 10, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. How you doing? You're not going to get there, are you? Verse 23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We're all what? What are? We're sinners. Now, do you think the world's loving that message? Not at all. But our job as ambassadors is to do what? It's to tell the truth regardless of the consequence. It's to come in and say, hey, look, you're a sinner. Now, again, I'm not talking about on the radio, the TV, or preaching. I'm talking about in your life and the people you encounter. Evangelism work is personal work. It used to, I used to get all excited when I would hear people, oh, we went, we, we passed, you guys passed out 100 tracks. This isn't that. But, you know, we knocked on 1,000 doors this weekend. Whoop-de-doo. Because they had a work salvation. And it was all about 1,000. We're getting 100. We're getting 10. We're getting, and it's all about what did I do? No, it's what he's doing. So where you work, when you're talking to, well, it used to be when you talk to the cashier, but now you're the cashier, you know, and, you know, self-checkout. You heard about that, you know. Anyway, I'll stay out of the dad jokes, okay? But you, when you talk to people, you know what that'll do? I'll be honest with you, when you catch what your job is, what your purpose is, you know what happens? You begin to lighten up. Some of you walk around with a scowl on your face that your own kids won't approach you. Man, man when you understand that my job is to be given the gospel, you know what? That scowl goes away, smile comes on, and you know what happens? People approach you. This past, yesterday we were hiking uh, Flatiron and the Superstition. And a lot of people, up and down, even when we hike Camelback, a lot of people. And you know what they are? They're nice. They're courtesy. They're courteous. You know, uphill, downhill. Who gets the right away? Doesn't matter. We're all stopping for a breath of air, so you go ahead and go, you know. <laughs> you know? 
Who's doing this? Who's, and, you know, all of a sudden, hey, how you doing? You guys, how, you okay? And they're checking up. But, man, I tell you what, you get up to the top. When we, were in the, when we were in the Grand Canyon, Mandy warned me. She goes, now, when you uphill has the right of way, you just push through, and that'll be because the tourists don't know that, and, they don't, and they're mean, and they're rude, and they're crude. And sure enough, the last group of hikers, hey, you guys okay? Yeah, but, and then the next group we ran into, they were so, oh, they stink, you know. It's like, well, yeah, we've been four days down in the canyon. Which one are you? See, you ought to be checking on people. Hey, how you doing? Things okay? Now, I'm talking about in, in your realm, in your, you know, I've been reading uh, books on leadership because I want to do some stuff in, about leadership, and I was reading a book on a, by a SEAL guy, a guy in the SEAL teams, and the leadership, and he's my, the, the three-foot rule. No easy day, the only easy day was yesterday. We're talk, that's what I'm talking about. In your realm, where you operate, does your family say, oh, here they come? Or do they say, hey, great, they're here? How's that thing? Why? Because you we're not preaching about you. You're teaching and you're talking about who? Their Savior, the one who loved them, the one who died for them. Look at chapter 6, verse 23. And I know the context of chapter 6 is the issue of, of our, our walk and everything, but verse 23 just says it, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You're talking about their eternal life. You're talking about where they're going to spend eternity. You're talking about the fact that in chapter 5 of Romans, in verse 6, for when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. We're talking about verse 8, but God committed his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners. You're talking to people that you've been there before. You're talking to sinners. And you go, mm, 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 mm. they ought to just burn in hell. Cut me off again. I'll burn them, burn them, Lord. Burn them. Get them good. Crisp them up. Whoa, really? Amen. There you go. <laughs> exactly. Woke the baby up. But you know what? No. What do we do? We ought to have a heart for Why? Because there's a, if you would look at every lost person you come across as a future member of the body of Christ, you'll have a completely different attitude. There's a future brother and a future sister right there. And my job as ambassador is to give them the, the message. Not press for a conviction or anything. Just give them Christ. Has anyone ever loved you enough to tell you that Christ died for you? Man. And then they say, yeah, what do I do? Oh, glad you ask. Romans 4, verse 5. You know what you got to do? Nothing but believe. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Can you do that? But that's a wonderful purpose, isn't it? We're not buying, selling. We're not trading. We're not dickering. We're just telling people about their eternity. That great question, if any, has anyone ever loved you enough to ask you where you would spend eternity? And then you talk to them about the Savior, their Savior, potentially. You're talking about 1 Corinthians 15. 
how that Christ died for their sins according to the Scripture and was buried and rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. Look, look, look over there at that. 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15. This great chapter, when we get to it in our study in 1 Corinthians, there's a lot that's read into, this chap, into the beginning of this chapter that isn't there. He says in verse 1, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and, ye, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved. By the way, the new Bibles change that. They add the word being. You are being saved. As if it's an ongoing process as long as you do what? Tote the company line. As long as your giving is right where it's supposed to be. As long as your life, by the way, your life's a, ladies, you can't wear pants. You've got to wear skirts because pants are belong to the men. Really? Had they not read the Old Testament where men were in robes and the ladies were allowed to wear breeches? Yeah, Jeff got that one. You got to go back there and think about this. Moses' day, the men weren't wearing the pants. They were wearing what? Robes, skirts. Yeah, I mean, anyway, just a little, just something to think about. But what does religion do? Let's put them under the thumb and let's rule their right. So you know what you got to have, guys? You got to be in a shirt and tie on church Sunday. Well, maybe some of you ought to think about that. <laughs> we got to do this. You got to do that. See. No, not at all. Why, why would you dress appropriate for church? Because the doctrine, the respect, the doctrine, this is what we're doing, man. This is our life, you know. Keep reading. If you keep in memory, now, do you see that word saved? What's after that word, punctuation wise? A comma. Changing the thought. If. You keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scripture, and then he was seen. The three, the four things that validate Calvary. He was dead, he died. The centurion brings official Roman death certificate to Pilate. And lays it in front of Pilate when he comes, when Joseph and Nicodemus come to get the body. And he says, man, he ain't dead yet. It's too quick, guys. And he calls a centurion. And the centurion comes in and says, he's dead. And here's the death certificate. But you know what else certifies that? He was buried. You don't bury died peop uh, alive people. So you know what they come up with? The cockamamie idea of, oh, he swooned. And the pressure of it all was too good, so he passed out. And then they put him in the temple, and then the cold air hits him, and he revived. Baloney. If he got up, you know what would happen to the grave clothes, the linens? They'd be all over the place. But he doesn't. He comes right up out of them. He's risen. How do you know he's risen? He was seen of. See that? He's seen of the ladies. He's seen of Cephas. He's seen of the twelve. He's seen, last of all, of Paul there, verse 8. But now watch verse 9. What's going on? So what happens is, is people say, well, if you keep in memory that which I preached unto you, also you have believed in vain. See, they really weren't believers, but that's not the point in the chapter. The point in the context is verse 12. What are they moving away from? Resurrection. See? They're moving away. They're over here thinking you didn't, he didn't rise. He's still buried in the tomb down there somewhere, and they just hit him. 
has nothing to do with your salvation. The Corinthians are sanctified. They're called to be saints, chapter 1, verse 2. This has nothing to do with justification. It has to do with this idea about the resurrection body. Now, that has nothing to do with your ambassador, but that's what happens here. But look, what does he say? He died, he was buried, and he rose again the third day. Come over to Ephesians 1. i got to move on or the nursery department will be up in arms. Ephesians 1, verse 13. The first component of your ambassadorship, folks, is to see people get saved in whom you trusted, in whom you also trusted. After that, you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and whom also after that ye believed. You see, trusted and believed, interchangeable. We sang that song a minute ago, unto him have I committed. That's belief. Belief is committing. Belief is trusting. Belief is, is believing. I'm trusting. I'm committing my life into his hands that what he says he's going to do is true. And what does he say? If you trust me, I'll impute to you my righteousness because that's what you need. I'll impute to you my life because that's what you need. And you know what you do? You trust him and you believe him and you commit to it. That's why you can't walk an aisle. That's why you can't jump in a baptismal. That's why you can't do the things that religion says. Because then you're trusting who? You and your participation in it. And at that moment, you know what grace becomes? Grace becomes law and performance. And it's done away with. And you know what the salvation process is? Is you're going to hear the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation in whom also after that you believed. And the moment you believe, you know what? The operation of God comes in, and he begins to do some things in your inner man, and he seals you with the Holy Spirit of promise. Now that's in the step two, isn't it? Don't come to understand some of this knowledge of this doctrine. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 4. You see, folks, our purpose is the ambassadorship our purpose is an ambassador for Christ, and an ambassador has got a message to proclaim. And you know what the message is? He died for all. Look at 1 Timothy 4, verse 9. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. For therefore we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God, comma, who is the Savior of all men. Now, if you're a Calvinist, you like that verse to end there, but it doesn't end there. It does what? Comma. Especially of those that believe. Boy, what a message. What am I proclaiming? The living God, and what is he? He's the Savior of all men, and you've got to believe him. You've got to trust him. You've got to take him at his word. He came into this world, chapter 1, verse 15, to save sinners of whom I am chief. Why did, the Christ, why did Christ come in the world? You read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He came into the world to sit on a throne, David's throne, in a kingdom. Paul says, yeah, that's true, but really right now, you know why he came? He came into this world to save sinners. And how do, I, how do you save sinners? They believe that he died, he buried, and he rose again the third day. Because they need that. Come back to 1 Timothy 2. You think about, I think about being saved, I think about the first time I went hunting with the guys. And they're like, okay, Rick, here's your tree, you go right over there, that's where you're at. I'm like, okay, so I go up, I come down, when I come down, it's pitch dark. 
I have no way to know which way to go. If it hadn't been for one of the guys coming and kind of getting me, I'd still be walking around the White Mountains looking for, you know. And subsequently, I went and bought a GPS unit, <laughs> you know. And then the next morning, we get up, it's oh dark 30, and we're walking. And he goes, well, you're that way. And I went that way, you know. I'm like, I, I know I've been walking way too long. Why? Because I was what? Lost. And when you, once you're in your loss, you know what you feel? You feel hopeless. You feel helpless. You need a what? I need a Savior. Man, that's what people need. Because deep down, you know what people know? They know they're hopeless. They're helpless. They need a Savior. And you walk up and you say, you know what? I've got some information for you from the living God who loves you, who died for you. I'm bringing you grace and peace. Because the world thinks God does what? Hates them. And you're like, no, he's the living God. He's the Savior of all men, especially them that hate him. And they say, yes, that's what I'm looking for. And they're instantly transformed in their inner man. Their, their inner man, their spirit becomes alive. Now there's communication with, and their inner man, their soul, he gets light shined in it. Because before, they're dead, and they're darkened, and they're depraved, and now there's life in them. And now they need to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now look at 1 Timothy 2 and watch this very carefully here. Because, and by the way, what truth is usually the question? Which gospel and what truth? And Paul helps you with that here in 1 Timothy 2. Verse 4, who will have all men to be saved and to come into the knowledge of the truth? What, not, what gospel? For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all. There's the gospel. There's Paul's God. Hey, you know what he did? Paul protects the, or, the order, protects the message by saying it's what? It's, it's one. It's one. It's not through the nation of Israel. It's not through their deeds. It, he's the man. The mediator is who? The man, Christ Jesus. Who did what? He gave, his ran, he gave his life a ransom for how many? For all. Now the come to the knowledge of the truth. And, I'm, I'm sorry, to be testified in due time, whereunto I am ordained a preacher and an apostle. I speak the truth in Christ and lie not. A teacher of the Gentiles in faith and verity. Then he says, you want the truth? You know, <laughs> you, know you want the truth? You know I, you think about the movie, okay? Paul says, I'm the one with the truth. Not Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I'm the one with the truth. Come back to 2 Corinthians. All right, you, know, you know what? Let, we're going to deviate a little bit here. Come back to Romans 15. Romans 15. Romans 11, 13, he says, I am, uh, I'm the apostle of the Gentiles, but... He says, for I speak to you Gentiles, inasmuch as I am the apostle of the Gentiles, I magnify mine office. Look at Romans 15. Very interesting here. Romans 15, 15. Nevertheless, brethren, I have written the more boldly unto you in some sort as putting you in mind because of the grace that is given to me of God. The grace there is the message. It's the doctrine. Now keep reading that I should be the minister of Jesus Christ to who? To the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God, that the offering up of the Gentiles might be acceptable, being sanctified by the Holy Ghost. Who is, Christ, who is Paul a minister of? The Gentiles. Now, look back up at verse 8, because here's the contrast. 
Now I say that Jesus Christ was a minister of the who? The circumcision. Well, who are the Gentiles? That's the uncircumcision. You see, Paul's making a contrast here. The minister of the circumcision was Jesus Christ. And oh, by the way, what did he do? He came to confirm for the truth of God to confirm the promises made unto the fathers. Isn't that interesting? He didn't come to save anybody but his people. In doing that, he did what? He confirmed the promises made unto the fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But then Paul, verse verse 16, he says, I'm the minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of, the good news of God, the good news of what God's doing now in him through his son. To who? To everybody. Boy, that's doctrine. That's truth. That's understanding 2 Timothy 2.15. That's understanding time past, but now in the ages to come. That's coming in and understanding. Come on, come over there to 2 Corinthians 5. That's coming in and understanding the sound doctrine, the form of sound words. Now we're going to come to the truth. Pauline truth, the, 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 the um, truth that was delivered to the Apostle Paul that was kept secret but now is made known. And where he's going to now begin to manifest his life and his wisdom, not only in the gospel. Could you imagine ever asking God to send his son to die for you? You would have never asked that. You know what you would have asked God? What can I do? Come on, Lord, give me something to do, and I'll go do it. You would have never said, I can't do it. And by the way, you know how you know that? Look at Israel. They get the Ten Commandments. They broke the first four before he ever delivered them. They had what? They had a big golden calf, and they were wishing for the flesh pots back in Egypt. Then, you know, they couldn't do it. Therefore, you would. Oh, yes, I would, Rick. I wouldn't. No, you wouldn't. Liar, liar, pants on fire. See, you broke the first rule. (laughs) He's manifesting his life and his wisdom, not only in the gospel, but now over here in our lives. 2 Corinthians 5, look at verse 14. In verse 14, for the love of Christ constraineth us. All right, where do we see the love of Christ? Calvary cross but God committed his love toward us I want love I want God's love on me you know where he put it on you he put it on you Calvary where he did what he died for you he was buried rose again in the resurrection now he can give you his life because we thus judge by the way judge judgment and Paul's epistles nine out of ten times that word that issue of judge means discernment How do we think about this? It's not about yes, no, wrong, right. It's how do we think this through? How are we thinking this through? We That if one died for all, then we're all dead. Now we're back where? The gospel. And that he died for all. Calvary. Notice the next word, that. The purpose, the intent. What is one of the major issues that are of Calvary? That... They which, what, live. Well, wait a minute. If you're dead and now you're alive, something happened in between somewhere. What was that? Resurrection life. In Romans 6, he calls it the newness of life. 
that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. What a mindset. He died, he gave his life for you so that he could then give his life to you. So then you can come over here now and live his life out into your life where you go, where you live. So when we come to the knowledge of the truth, what do we begin to learn? Who's our apostle? Paul. We used to go out to the swap meets and we had signs back then and we had one sign that said, eternity, smoking or non. Now this was back in the restaurants, had smoking section, non-smoke. Eternity, smoking or non. Which one do you want? Let's talk. Then on the other side, we had another one that said, who's your apostle? Just a question. It's crazy how many ideas you get when you ask those two simple questions. One guy thought it was the non-smoking group. You know, he's ready to sign up. I'm like, well, let's talk about that non-smoking. <laughs> you know, the other, you know, who's your apostle? We got to know that. Then you begin to understand about the issue of having, come over to Colossians 2. And we'll just stop here, close here. Colossians 2. Colossians 2. Boy, I tell you what, understanding the issues of right division, 2 Timothy 2.15, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11 to, to 13, and verse 7, time past, ages to come, but now all that. How, to understand what God's doing for you and with you today is, is revolutionizing. It's freedom. It's liberty. To know that when you get into that book and you begin to study it and you begin to identify where God has laid in the divisions already and we recognize that, then, man, boy, boy, life is just set free. And there's freedom in that. There's liberty in that to do what? To go live for him. That's what 2 Corinthians 5 is all about. You find out what God's doing for you and with you and through, and then you understand your purpose as his ambassador. Man, you just go live now. You can go and... In your marriage and succeed, and your family succeed, and life succeed, and, and success, success here isn't a barometer. Success is the victory that we have in Christ Jesus. Colossians chapter number 2, verse number 13. And you being dead in your sins and uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you how many trespasses? All the trespasses. So you know what that means? I don't have to do 1 John 1, 9. You know what that means? I don't have to go down to the, to the priestly ordinance and go through all that mess. I don't have to bring a goat and, a billy, you know, and all this stuff and, and type all, and do all that. Uh, I don't have to do that. Why? At Calvary, I was forgiven completely, totally, 100%. Past, present, and future. By the way, your sins were future of Calvary. He died a little over 2,000 years ago. You, you, know, you were on his mind, but... You were not on anybody else's mind. You weren't even a bad thought from dad yet. And he, did, he died for you. You've got all your sins forgiven. You know what that means? That means you're in verse 10. For in him dwelleth the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. You see, folks, our job as ambassadors, our purpose, we're the ambassadors for Christ. And it starts with an understanding that the message that we're delivering is a message of salvation, the gospel. See, all men get saved. 
and then come over here and come to the knowledge of the truth, and now let's go live the life. So get what can we have? We have a gospel you can trust. Paul's my gospel. Comes out of a Bible that we can believe, a King James Bible. It comes from a study that you can then understand as we go and we begin to develop the knowledge of the truth. And that produces a life that I can go now live as who I am in Christ. And then I can fulfill that purpose and we start the, the circle all over again. That's the core of what we do here. That's the core of the teaching. I started 20, the church has been going for a little over 25 years now. But about 20 years ago, I had a guy ask me, what does it mean? How does it look, Rick? You're talking about this, how does it look? And for the last 20 years, I've been trying to show you how it looks. That's why I've been harping on for 20 years plus now. It's life in Christ. It's who you are in Christ. It's your identity. It's identity. Why? Because when you understand that, guess what? Then you can go do everything else. And you can do it freely, unencumbered by the baggage we call religion. And we can go and do it. We can accomplish something. And we have purpose. And we can fulfill it. It was once said, as grace believers, ministers of reconciliation, as member, as ambassadors for Christ, we need to continue to encourage one another to utilize every means possible to spread the word, whether it's by life, lip, leaflet, or electronic, to enable lost souls to be saved and saints to be edified. And that's the purpose. That's the push. He's not talking about winning the world. Do you know who's going to fix the world? The Lord Jesus Christ will one day. Not you. But you know where you need to win? You need to win in your three-foot area. You need to live right around you. That's your, that's your purpose. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the morning. We thank you for your word. We thank you for everything that you've supplied to us in your Son. And Lord, I just pray that as we go in our lives, we would take these principles just that we have here as ministry principles and, 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 and put them into our lives on a daily basis. As we go, as we enjoy the things that he's richly supplied to us and given to us to enjoy in our lives, we would just do so with a happy heart and with a loving spirit. In your name we pray, amen. All right, we're going to be dismissed with the song.